Welcome to the Balanced, Beautiful, and Abundant Show. My name is Rebecca Whitman, and I'm a success mentor. I believe there are seven pillars of success. Your spiritual life, your physical fitness, your emotional, romantic, mental, social, and finally, your financial life. When you get all seven areas in alignment, you are balanced, beautiful, and abundant. I learned this the hard way. I've always made money. Unfortunately, I spent so much time making money that I never had time for the rest of my life. So, despite not having financial worries, I was never happy. I wanted romance, but I didn't have time to date. I wanted to be in great shape, but I couldn't find a moment to go to the gym. I wanted a more spiritual life, but I didn't meditate. That also takes time. I wanted to read great books and fill my mind with deep thoughts, but I never made the time. I wanted a great social life, not just going to work-related events. Emotionally, I was a wreck because my life was totally out of balance. Today, I earn more money than I ever have in my life, and I work only part-time. I have the relationship of my dreams. I'm in the best physical shape of my life. I'm spiritually grounded. I feel fulfilled mentally, socially, and emotionally. My life is in perfect alignment. This podcast will help you discover where your life is out of balance. My mission is to support you in achieving work-life balance so that you can have more fun and freedom in life. On my show, you will get to learn from experts in all seven areas of abundance. My guests have achieved tremendous success in their zone of genius. Are you ready to go to a level 10 in all seven areas of life? You got this. Hi, Jillian Bennett. Welcome to the Balanced Beautiful Abundance Show. Thank you so much for having me. I feel really honored to be here. I'm so excited to meet you in person. I know I've seen you a few times in Clubhouse on the Health and Fitness Professionals Room, and I was talking to you about drinking powdered greens, and that led you to referring me to your awesome podcast, The Be Well Cartel, and then I wanted to have you on my podcast as a nutritional expert. As I was saying before we started, I speak into seven pillars of abundance, and the second pillar is health and fitness, so we like to have experts speak on each of these key areas of life, and you're definitely a health and fitness expert. So let me tell my listeners a little bit about your background. So uh, Jillian is an online nutrition and health coach. She is based in Barcelona, even though she's originally from LA. She finds herself living a fabulous life in Barcelona. I love that. And Jillian helps people break old patterns and create sustainable health habits. She is certified in precision nutrition, integrative nutrition, and sports nutrition, and she hosts the Be Well Cartel podcast. So Jillian, tell us about your own journey with food. I know I was reading reading in your bio that you wouldn't even have a vegetable until age 20. So tell us about your journey with health and fitness and food and all the good stuff that led you to being the nutritional coach that you are today. Yeah, Rebecca, thank you so much for the lovely intro. And, and this is one of, one of my favorite topics to talk about because people that know me now and they see me now, they're like, no, but you know, you're, you're healthy and you're fit and this stuff is easy for you. And I'm like, 
No, I promise you growing up, I, so growing up, I had a really interesting childhood because my, so my mom passed away when I was young and it was me, my brother and my dad and my dad did the best that he could, but uh, unknowingly, I think um, cemented some eating habits that weren't necessarily and some thought patterns around eating that weren't necessarily helpful for me. He was very restrictive as to what we are allowed to have in the house. And I had a sweet tooth. My mom had a sweet tooth. And so that was something that we shared when I was little. And I wasn't allowed to eat sweets at home. My dad tried to tried really, really hard for my brother and I to eat really healthy. And so I pushed back as hard as I could. And, um, and that sort of led to, I, I honestly used to pretend I was allergic to vegetables. I remember times where, you know, my dad would, would tell me, Hey, you have to eat this. And I would pretend to throw up. I would pretend I was allergic. Cause I thought that was, I thought if you are allergic, you throw up, I have no idea. <laughs> and so when I first started changing my habits, it was a point where I was at, I was at university and I still didn't need any vegetables. I was binge drinking. I was not exercising at all that I, I never played sports as a kid. Um, I rode horses and I did fencing, which is sort of random and nerdy, um, but was really fun. Very and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and so in, in university, I realized I had this turning point where I realized it was like, I can't button my pants. I really don't feel good about my, my body. I feel like in order to feel good about myself, I have to be drunk, which is a really bad feeling. And so I, I started, I had no idea what, how to start. And I started so small. I started literally, I was like, you know what? I'm going to try to start eating healthier. I'm going to try to eat a salad today. That salad was like a Caesar salad. And so it was mainly croutons and cheese, but it still had something green in it. And that was where I started. So it was literally step by step by step learning, failing, and trying to challenge these limiting beliefs I had about myself as like, I am not the pretty girl. I am not the healthy person. I hate working out. Uh, You know, I hate vegetables and challenging all these beliefs I had held for so long. And that grew. It it literally was like planting a seed that grew and grew and grew. And so after college, I went and I worked for Lululemon for a few years. I worked in sales for TRX training. Um, And throughout this, I was educating myself on nutrition. I took my first nutrition certification uh, over 10 years ago and have since been working through different certifications. I just recently finished one in motivational interviewing um, and I started coaching. Now it's been, I started coaching in nutrition about a bit over five years ago. So motivational interviewing. So we're going to be really motivated after this interview because you're certified in motivational interviewing, right? You're going to motivate <laughs> I would, I I would love, I would, I wish that through a podcast, I could motivationally interview you all, but it is so question focused that, uh, that really that is more of a conversation. So if people want to join on, join me on clubhouse, maybe. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm just joking. So let's just get right into it. There are sustainable nutritional habits. I like to say it takes 21 days to create a habit and 90 days to create a lifestyle. Have you heard that? I have heard that. And I think that it's a, I think it's a really interesting concept that can be both helpful. And then I also see how in some cases it may, it can, it can be a bit, um, 
stressful for people when they when they're like, well, I've done this for 21 days. Why is this not a habit yet? And so it's interesting because I actually just came across research recently that the range in which it takes for someone to actually create a habit ranges anywhere from 15 days to 250 which wow. is insane. And I had no idea because for the longest time, it was that belief of, you know, there's there's a, a smaller range. And I think it's really empowering to know that there is such a wide range because for some people, they think, well, it's been 21 days. Why does this not feel easy? Why is this not a habit yet? And so that can often make people feel like they want to just give up. And so knowing that there is such a wide range, you be like, you know what? it's fine. I can keep going. How do I make this a little bit easier on myself? And and I love what you said about lifestyle, because I think that understanding how habits really fit nicely into our lifestyle is really powerful. And it has so much to do with our core values, which I know you talk a lot about principles. So I imagine core values are something that you're, you're very much involved with as well. Absolutely. So what do you think about this trend of these super hard challenges? Like for myself, I'm getting married, so I wanted to do 75 hard, which is two workouts a day and a gallon of water and all this other crazy stuff that some of it's really good for you, like reading 10 pages a day in a self-help book. But on the 10th day, I pulled my hip because I was like, I didn't, I couldn't work out twice a day. So then I had to stop the challenge and now I'm doing more sustainable working out where I work out like five days and give myself one or two days a week off and I'm feeling great. My body's feeling really strong. So what do you think about this 75 hard challenge and all these super hard challenges? Are they valuable or are they kind of the opposite of what you teach? So interestingly enough, I would actually classify the 75 hard challenge in a different bucket than a lot of the fitness and and weight loss challenges, because the 75 hard challenge in the intention behind it originally was not necessarily a weight loss challenge. It was intended to be more of something to, to get people to commit to, to making changes. However, we know, like we've seen this with the keto diet, we've seen this with, with any diet that's come out, you know, the keto diet has specific therapeutic uh, um, uh, ways it's used. It's used for people with epilepsy and it's used in very, um, in, in very specific uh, physician controlled uh, obesity cases, but people then take it and all of a sudden everybody's keto. Right. Right. And so this is kind of what happened with the 75 hard. And this is not to say that I think that people should be drinking a gallon of water and working out twice a day. I think that that's way too much water for most people and working out twice a day, depending on how you, you interpret that. If you're going for two walks a day, cool. Awesome. But if you're doing two CrossFit workouts a day, then that's probably a terrible idea. Yeah. Um, on the other side, though, I see a lot of these fitness challenges that are very weight loss focused under the guise of health focus, which is it, we want to be really clear that weight loss and health are not one and the same. Yeah, there can be unhealthy weight loss. There can be healthy weight loss. There can be nutritional changes and different habits and exercise changes that don't result in weight loss. And I think that unfortunately, we live in a society that that has so closely intertwined this idea of weight loss for health. Right. And so when it comes to, so sorry, I, I'm going to get back to the topic now. So when it comes to a lot of these challenges, 
What I don't like is that they don't look at long-term sustainability. So they're often based on very strict rules that people are literally thinking, how can I just like bite my nails through to the end of this willpower, self-control, whatever I can. And when it's over, I'll go back to normal. And the idea behind real lasting change is that you create a new normal. Yeah. And this is not to say that if you do one of these extreme challenges and you and you turn it into just the way you live your life, that that's good at all, because most of these challenges are based around not eating enough food to support health. They're based around exercising in a way that may be a little bit too intense for your body. They usually don't focus on things like stress management, things like uh, you know community, social relationships are so important when it comes to our health. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't one of my pillars too, social. Yeah. And, and so I think most of these challenges have a very singular focus, but we are not, we don't live in a vacuum. We do not, we are not here on this earth to just lose weight. And so we have to take into consideration all the other facets of our lives when we are looking to create change. I agree. You know, one of the challenges that I have done that was really holistic was the whole life challenge. Have you heard of that one? I'm not familiar with that one. It's just drink half your weight in ounces of water, which I think is sustainable. Meditate, stretch, and exercise, and you get one day a week off. It's not the whole 30. It's the whole life challenge. And I really, I thought that was a really cool, sustainable challenge. And I did it, and then I just created, I just kept going with the 10 minutes a day of stretching and, and the meditating. And I would think you're supposed to journal every day. And yeah, I think that they can be helpful, but I think any kind of extreme weight loss just to lose weight is not sustainable because let's talk about crash diets. Let's, let's say you go on a calorie restricted diet and you, you go down to like a thousand or 1200 calories a day. Well then what's going to happen when you go back to your regular 2000 calories a day? Of course you're going to gain weight, right? Yeah, I think, you know, it's really interesting is I was recently introduced to a a really large group on Facebook that is focused around weight loss. And I think that sometimes we can live in a bubble where we see, we sort of see what is pertinent to us. And so I'm in touch with a lot of people that are interested in my method of, you know, of changing their habits or of losing weight or whatever that is. And so getting a vision, sort of a glimpse into what a lot of the general public is doing when it comes to weight loss is, is a little scary because it is Rebecca, it is a lot of that, like cutting down to a thousand, 1200 calories and, and, and just, you know, gritting your teeth, and people convincing themselves are like, I don't even feel like I'm on a diet. I've replaced all my rice with cauliflower. And I'm like, you know what? There's nothing wrong with cauliflower rice, but there's also nothing wrong with regular rice. Right. <laughs> and, and so we start to create all of these rules. And on if you're eating 1,000 calories a day, 1,200 calories a day, even 1,500, I, I hate throwing numbers out there, but yeah. any, of these, any of these restrictive diets are... For some people, they are sustainable simply because our bodies are incredibly intelligent. And so if you give your body a certain amount of energy, because that, that's what calories are, energy. If you give your body a certain amount of energy for a certain amount of time, your body is going to do what it can to be extremely efficient with the energy that you give it. I'll give you an example. 
Um, we talk about this on, on my podcast, the, the Buell Cartel, the three of us, the three hosts, we've all gone through something called hypothalamic amenorrhea, which is essentially where you lose your period uh, and you lose your period usually due to a downregulation of the hypothalamus, which is generally due to stress. One of those stressors often being under eating or overtraining. Mm. And so what happens is your your menstrual cycle is not an is not a necessary process for you to stay alive. Yes. And so what we see is many people that are under eating and under eating is relative, right? What is under eating for me is not going to necessarily be under eating for you. And so when you under eat, especially for a significant period of time, your body actually starts to shut down some of these unnecessary processes. And I'll give you, uh, and I think this can be really helpful for listeners to understand, is sometimes you don't even realize what those processes are. I'll give you an example. You may fidget less, which is something that you think, oh, well, why does that matter? Well, fidgeting, your your non-exercise activity thermogenesis, just general activities that you do throughout the day, whether it's cooking, fidgeting, dancing, you know, uh, bobbing your head along to the music, that all of that uses energy. But if you're looking for weight loss and you're trying to do that through extreme low calorie methods, you may stop doing some of those activities. So you stop actually using as much energy throughout the day because your body doesn't have the energy to use. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's really interesting. So then there's also uh, the phenomenon of like 10 day water fasts and intermittent fasting. And, you know, what is your take, uh, Jillian, on like a 10 day water fast? Isn't that just like crazy extreme? Like, I don't even know why people are doing that. It, it sounds extremely, it, it sounds extremely extreme. I would like to believe that there is a very specific reason that this person is doing it. I think that if you'd like, I'm happy to share my views on fasting in general. Let's talk about <laughs> fasting because it's very trendy. Yeah. Fasting, intermittent fasting. Let, let's talk about. Yeah. That. So I think that a lot of it has to do with the intention behind it. I think that if your intention to for fasting is simply for weight loss, it may not be. It, and I say may because there there's a wide range of things that are going to work for different people. It may not be the best option for you, especially if you are someone that doesn't necessarily have the best relationship with food or your body to begin with. Any and intermittent fasting is usually anywhere from you know twelve hours to twenty hours of fasting per day. So it's usually a limited, you know, also referred to as time restricted feeding. When we're talking about longer prolonged fast, anything from 24 hours and up, that I think, again, depends on the intention. 10 days, I'm not a doctor, so this is just coming from my opinion. 10 days sounds absolutely ridiculous, and I would not recommend it. Yeah, I I do know people that, that, and, and have read studies and have spoken to other professionals, including doctors on 24 hour fasts, 48 hours, 36 hours, you know, prolonged fast, but not, not something like 10 hours or sorry, 10 days. And there, they can have one therapeutic uses. Again, when we're talking about being supervised by a doctor or a dietitian, um, and it's for a specific reason, uh, this is definitely something to speak with your doctor about, but 
doing something like a 24 hour fast, if you are someone that does not have a difficult relationship with food, if you're someone that's not doing it for weight loss, it can be really interesting to understand our dependence on the mental side of food. That said, doing it for weight loss purposes doesn't actually work the way that people think it does. Because what will happen is you will see a drop in the scale, but most likely within a week or two, you're going to be right back where you were before. So extreme fasting for weight loss purposes, not a huge fan. Uh, Intermittent fasting for weight loss purposes, it really depends for females. And I, I believe that most of your listeners are female. Um, I, I wouldn't recommend intermittent fasting for many females. And there are a couple reasons for that. One I'm going to mention to you is anecdotal after working. I've been working with clients for over five years now, and I cannot tell you how many clients have come to me saying, I don't eat breakfast. I intermittent fast. My first meal is lunch. And then I can't, I don't know why, but I'm starving in the afternoon. I just, I just can't seem to control my eating in the afternoon. And I asked them why they're intermittent fasting in the morning. And they're like, well, you know, I just drink coffee. I'm not hungry. Um, We should know that caffeine is an appetite suppressant. So if you're drinking, if you're just drinking buckets of black coffee in the morning, I'm not surprised that you're not hungry. You, your body actually does need food, but you're turning off that hunger signal or hiding it Mm -hmm. in a way. Yeah. And so with these clients, when we have incorporated a breakfast with Without a doubt, like I do not have a single client that I've done this with that it has not improved their afternoon cravings. And so if you are thinking that by skipping breakfast, you are saving calories, but you find yourself scrounging through the the kitchen for anything you can find in the afternoon, try eating breakfast. Mm -hmm. Um, On the, and then on the, the scientific data side, just so that everyone is very clear, the majority of scientific studies that have been done in intermittent fasting are not on women and women have a, a hormonal cycle that is very different to men. So there, it is not actually 100% clear how intermittent fasting can affect the female hormonal cycle. So it's something that may work for some females may not work for others. Well, I think why people want to inter, uh, intermittent fast is the same trend that we're, you know, seeing with the keto. They think if in the morning, if their body is not burning food for calories, their body's going to go into their fat reserve and start burning fat for calories. So are you saying that if somebody skips breakfast and does like a fasting cardio or fasting workout, they're not going to necessarily burn more fat? So I love that you bring this up because this is actually, so you're, you're right in the wording, but people don't realize that there's a difference between dietary fat, like the fat that we consume and our body fat, our adipose tissue. And so when you are doing fasting cardio, it's not that your body is burning your body fat. Your body is burning your fat, your, the, the fat that you have eaten. So your so essentially if you eat fat because you're on keto, and you do uh, a cardio workout, your body is going to be using that fat for energy. It's not pulling from your adipose tissue, which is your body fat. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that is, is a misconception. And this is what I tell everyone is that if you actually train better eating a meal before you train and you get more intensity out of that training session, you have more energy, it 100% benefits you to eat before that training session. 
There are people that say, I don't feel that great when I train or when I eat before I train because I train really early in the morning. Amazing. Make sure you have a killer dinner. Exactly. Because some people, when they work out, if they have a lot going on in their stomach, it's like they get upset stomach. So totally. I guess it just, it depends on everyone. So there's different types of like high protein philosophy, like there's high protein, high fat, and then there's high protein, low carb. So I wanted you to speak into carbs. Are they really the enemy that the keto people make them out to be? Oh, my dear. No, carbs are amazing. Carbs are your friend. Our brain loves carbs. And there is someone listening right now that is a keto lover that is that is just shaking their fist at the at the speaker and being like, I hate this girl. She's wrong. And you know what? I have, I personally, I have tried pretty much diet out there, every diet out there. I have an extensive network of dietitians, physicians. Personally, I'm a nutrition health coach. I've been working in this field for years. I've worked with hundreds of clients at this point. And for some people, yeah, a lower carb diet may be beneficial, but carbs are simply energy. Carbs are a our our fastest source of energy there is no such thing as a bad carb and a good carb there's no such thing as a bad food and a good food um there are certain people whose bodies work better with more carbohydrates there are some people whose bodies work better with slightly less carbohydrates there is no reason unless you have an actual medical necessity which I can't think of what that might be. Oh, perhaps if you're epileptic and the keto diet is helpful for you because you're epileptic. And so it's helpful for you to manage your um, your epilepsy. I, I don't see any reason that we need to be demonizing carbs like we have been. I mean, also, we can all agree that that vegetables and fruit are healthy for us, right? Well, I guess some people don't agree that fruit is healthy. Yeah, um, sugar. Exactly. And which I say exactly ironically, because fruit is definitely healthy for us, but vegetables and fruit are are carbohydrates. Right. I I think there's no argument there that those are things that pretty much any nutrition professional can agree on is that fruits and vegetables are beneficial for an overall healthy diet. So I think when it comes to carbohydrates, unfortunately, and this is something that many people don't necessarily know, is when you consume carbohydrate, that also brings with it, uh, I believe it's for every one gram of carbohydrate, you get three grams of water. And so often what happens when someone starts on a low carb diet, they're like, oh my gosh, I lost five pounds in a week. That's just water weight. That's not actually body fat. And so when we're looking for to lose weight, we're actually looking to lose body fat because our body fluctuates in water daily. And, and so dropping carbs will show the scale go down really fast, but it's not body fat that you're losing quickly. It's simply the, the water that was with the carbohydrates that you are no longer consuming. Got it. So carbs are not the enemy. It's okay to eat carbs, fruits, vegetables. What about multigrain? Oh, totally. I think that there's a lot of, you know, especially I I know paleo isn't as big as it used to be, but for a long time it was like, you know, only eat uh, your, the only, the only carbs you can eat are sweet potatoes and fruit. And, you know, they're, everybody's making things with dates and, you know, agave nectar. And honestly, the carbohydrates that you are quote unquote allowed to eat 
are simply dependent on your preferences. They're dependent on your lifestyle. They're dependent on what you like, what's easy for you to cook, what's available in your area, culturally, what types of foods you like. Um, as I said before, and, and I want to kind of drill this home, is that there are no good foods or bad foods. You can overdo it on broccoli yeah. and you can overdo it on pizza. It's the, the amounts are going to vary, but you can definitely overeat on quote unquote healthy foods. And I think that the more that we can normalize, including all foods in our diet, the less we feel that feeling of anxiety of I got to eat it all when we do have something like a pizza in front of us. Exactly. Yeah, it's all about moderation. So what are some simple dietary shifts that the people listening can make today to get better results in their nutrition? The, the one of the most important things that I'm going to tell you right now has absolutely nothing to do with the food on your plate, but it is an extraordinarily powerful shift that you can practice anywhere, even if what you're eating is not under your control. And that is to slow down. Oh my God. I so need to hear this. Yeah. And this is where, you know, I know Rebecca, you're a busy entrepreneur. I'm a busy entrepreneur. We've got a million things we need to do. I work with a lot of women who are also busy. They're moms, they're business owners. They've got so many things on their plates and simply getting, you know, for, I'm, let me organize my thoughts here for a second. The first thing that you can do is step away from your computer or your phone while you're eating. Put your food on a plate. Sit down. I know that it often feels like we don't have time, but that is the illusion of not having time in most cases. There are some people that are going to be like, no, no, I actually don't. Cool. I'm not talking to the 1%. I'm talking to the majority of people who believe that they're going to get more work done if they eat while they are also trying to edit their webpage or edit their podcast or whatever that is. I know because I am this person. Yeah. And so setting a boundary with yourself to step away from your computer and away from your phone. And as you eat, put your fork down when your mouth is full. That one simple tip that's that one, good. yeah, that one that simple phone, tip will. Your fork is down and your phone is off. Did you yeah. hear that? That's like revelatory. Thank you. And and that will and the reason why that is so important is slowing down the the rhythm at which you eat can help you start to get a little bit more in touch with your hunger and fullness cues. If you can be more in touch with your hunger and fullness cues, you don't end up with that feeling of, oh my gosh, I ate too much. You don't end up with that feeling of, of oh my gosh, I want to snack on something else because I can't even remember what I ate for breakfast. Mm-hmm. And that is often something that holds a lot of people back from being consistent in whatever health or fitness or weight loss goal that they have. And this is a habit that spans the gamut from, uh, you know, this can contribute. It can potentially contribute to weight loss. It can contribute to health. It can contribute to mental well-being. And honestly, it can contribute to productivity because yeah, if you're actually right. Exactly. Food is broken down. Your body can actually utilize it for energy. It, and so the, the, the other tip that kind of goes along with this is chewing your food well. Mm-hmm. And, and this goes along with, you know, studies have shown that 
if that if a few things happen while you're eating, you can increase the nutrient absorption. One of those things is chewing your food better. The other thing is eating while not in a stressed out state. Mm. And so I know that 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 for some people feels really hard because we live in a stressed out state. And so simply taking a couple of deep breaths and and removing distractions before you start eating can be really, really helpful in moving towards that. On the practical side, when people are like, well, you know, but tell me what to eat. Make sure that most of your meals have a protein source. Um, Make sure that most of your meals have a fruit or a veggie source. Um, don't, don't restrict food unless don't restrict food groups, unless it's, unless you absolutely need to, I think that just creates more of an issue with our relationship to food, which I know so many women and men struggle with. And a lot of that has to do with a restrictive mindset. Yeah. And I, I know that if you're trying to reach a specific goal, it helps to track, but in general, I think that counting calories and tracking macros is very restrictive and it makes like life not fun if you're if you're living by like your food tracker. Yeah, I think that I think that there are ways, you know, in anything it's not the what, it's the how. And so I think that there are ways for people to track macros. Um, I wouldn't say just track calories. I would say if you're going to do it, tracking macronutrients would make a little bit more sense. And there are ways to do it that that are more sustainable, especially for a shorter term goal. Um, And then you can hopefully work with a coach to transition you away from that tracking. But unfortunately, most people don't go at it with more with a flexible mindset. Most people go at it with, I'm going to eat as little as possible. I'm going to be as strict as possible. And if I go over my macros, I'm a failure. And that you're totally right creates a lot of problems. Yeah. And it's such a first world problem, right? Because There's billions of people in the world that are starving and here people like, oh my God, I didn't get, you know, my protein and I ate like, you know, three grams too many carbs and I'm a failure. And it's like, just be grateful that you freaking have food to eat, right? And that you have healthy choices. So many people can't even afford healthy food, you know, they just can eat whatever they can to survive. So Yeah, I just believe in as much freedom as possible. So the final question is, I know the holidays are upon us. You might be hearing this podcast any time of year because it is evergreen. But for the people listening right now, the holidays are upon us. And how can we get through the holidays and stay healthy? Because I know we're inundated with like cakes and cookies and eggnog and all kinds of sugars and sweets and how do we just stay moderate and healthy and maintain our, our balanced life through the holiday season? This is a really, really important conversation because I think that there's a lot of diet rhetoric around the holidays of like, you know, shred before the holidays or like, you know, put on or don't put on that holiday weight. And it's sort of like setting people up to believe that whatever happens over the holidays is is going to completely derail whatever goals that they have for themselves or just derail their lifestyle in general. And I think that when we actually take a really critical look at the holidays. What are the holidays? The holidays should be a time to spend time with family, spend time with friends, enjoy the people in your lives. Um, This may be the first year that you're actually having like big holiday events because I know last year that probably didn't happen as much. And so I think about, first of all, what do the holidays actually mean to you? 
Because if you are only invested in the holidays because you're like, this is an opportunity for me to eat everything I want. And, you know, then come January, I'll just do a, you know, 30 day challenge and it'll be fine. Then let's look a little bit deeper into your relationship with food because you may be being too restrictive in your day-to-day life. Right. I think that if that's not the case, simply again, like the, the tip I mentioned before about slowing down can be so helpful. Mm-hmm. We often forget in social situations that the, the objective of the situation is the social part and not necessarily the food part. So we can feel really overwhelmed by, oh my gosh, you know, there's this food and there's that food. And, you know, I, I've, sa- I've saved up my calories for this. And often we're so consumed by the thoughts that we don't actually enjoy the food when we eat it. And so being a bit more present to the act of eating when you're doing it and being a bit more present to the act of socializing when you are socializing. I think if you do know that there are specific foods that you tend to enjoy a lot, fantastic. Enjoy those foods. I think the key here is to remember that it's often the thought of the food that we enjoy more than the food itself. And many women that I speak to, when they're actually eating something that they claim to really enjoy, they're so consumed by the guilt of, I shouldn't be doing this, that they don't actually get the the chance to enjoy it. So I would say whatever you decide to do this holiday season, enjoy it. Give yourself some grace when it comes to your movement or your exercise or whatever that is. Think about movement over exercise. Can you go for a walk? Can you, uh, you know, do some stretching? Can you go swimming? Can you, you know, take the family out on a stroll together? I think that we focus so much on exercise for burning calories, but exercise is really just an amazing way to move our bodies. It boosts our self-esteem. It boosts our overall health. It can be a great way to, to, to disconnect if you're feeling a bit overwhelmed with family or social events or whatever that is. So give yourself some grace. Let your, let let it be okay that your habits are a little bit different during this season mm-hmm. and, and try to stay away from the mentality of, oh, I'll just get back on it when January starts. And make it not just about the food. There's so many times where I ask a girlfriend, oh, how was your Thanksgiving? First thing, oh my God, I ate too much. I had, you know, two helpings of stuffing. I should have never done that. Like, The whole point of the holidays, like you said, Jillian, is community and to connect and to celebrate. And it's not all about the food. We don't have to make everything all about the food. It can be about, oh, I had this great conversation with my aunt. I haven't seen her in two years because of the pandemic. It's don't be so hyper-focused on the food that you lose the point of the holidays, which is celebrate. Yeah. Sorry. I want, I want to just add something else in here that I think is really, really important is especially, I I think a habit that many people have is trying to restrict how much they eat the day of an event Mm -hmm. because they're trying to save up calories. This is the same phenomenon. Like I was mentioning with the intermittent fasting, eat the food, eat, eat your, like, if you know you have a lunch or, you know, you have a dinner, eat a solid breakfast, eat a solid lunch. That is going to help you feel nourished and energized and not arrive somewhere literally counting the minutes until you can eat five of grandma's cookies. Yes. A lot of people do that. Oh, I'm going to skip breakfast and lunch because I'm going out to dinner. And then you show up at dinner famished and you eat the whole bread basket. So that is, that is not a good thing. Like, yeah. And unfortunately you don't enjoy it either. It's like you eat the whole bread basket, but it's not like you're eating it because you're, you're enjoying the hell out of it. You're eating it because it, because you're starving. Right. 
Yeah, don't starve. You know, one of my dear friends uh, is a nutritional coach and her her uh, motto is be hot, not hungry. <laughs> so don't yeah. let yourself get I love that. Yeah, I think if you feel yourself getting hungry, then you've gotten behind the ball where you want to stay in front of it where you feel satisfied and nourished, right? Isn't that kind of the goal? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you guys. If, if weight loss is your goal, you may feel hungry at times, but you don't need to be feeling hungry all the time. If you're living your life hungry, then you may be making, if weight loss is your goal, you may be making it a little bit harder on yourself than it needs to be. Yeah, and I know when I'm hungry, I get hangry. So uh, I like that saying, feed the models. You know, like you don't want to be so hungry that you're angry and irritable all day long because that's not the right way to go through life. You want to be balanced, beautiful, abundant, which is the whole title of the podcast. So there's a way to eat and lose weight and maintain health in a balanced, beautiful, abundant way. And I think we discussed that very thoroughly. So thank you so much, Jillian, for being on the podcast. How can people stay in touch with you? So you can find me on Instagram. Uh, my Instagram is bite size nutri. That's like nutrition without the T I O N at the end. Uh, I also have a podcast with two other female coaches where we talk about food, fitness, lots of mindset. Um, and that is called the be well cartel. And if you're on clubhouse, I'm on clubhouse every day, Monday through Friday at, uh, I believe it is 8 a.m. Pacific time. Yep. I think it's 8 a.m. Pacific time, 11 a.m. No, that's wrong. 7 a.m. Pacific time, 10 a.m. East Coast time. That's the time that I'm on Clubhouse. What's the name of your Clubhouse room? We don't actually have a name for the room, but it is under the Health and Fitness Professionals Club. Nice. And I, yeah, we don't have a name for the room. Probably bad marketing on my end. <laughs> well, you can find Jillian on Clubhouse. What's your Clubhouse name? Bite size nutri. Bite size nutri. So we'll have that in the club and the show notes. Thank you guys so much for listening on Instagram and Facebook and for listening to this on Apple. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, we so, so, so appreciate you taking 60 seconds out of your life, leaving us a five star review, leaving us a quick comment. It really helps the podcast get seen and noticed so people can benefit from our amazing experts. So we so, so, so appreciate your reviews. On Apple, please take a screenshot and tag me and, and Jillian and Instagram. We'll give you a shout out. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks, Jillian, for all these incredible tips. I really got a lot out of the chewing well as a, many other tips, and that will make sure that you don't talk with your mouth open <laughs> during these holidays, right? That's like the worst faux pas ever to be so hungry that you're like shoveling food and talking. So. When you're chewing, your fork is down, your phone is down, and your mouth is closed. So thank you so much, Jillian. I look forward to seeing you on Clubhouse first thing in the morning. And you were fabulous. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much, Rebecca. You are so welcome. Who says you can't have it all? I'm proof that you can. You just have to put your life into balance. Too much of anything, money, fitness, socializing, can overtake your life. When all seven aspects of your life work in harmony, you will achieve the balanced, beautiful, and abundant life you've always dreamed of. Please subscribe to hear more inspiring interviews. Is there someone you know who could benefit from this podcast? 
please share this podcast with them. Please review this podcast. Your feedback will help me target your needs and plan for upcoming shows that answer your questions and feature guest speakers that can make a big difference in your life. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Rebecca E. Whitman. Feel free to DM me to book a free balance assessment call. And don't forget, stay balanced, beautiful, and abundant. It's cold and living my life like it's cold and living my life like it's